What a joy it is for us to continue our study about free-floating anxiety, dealing with worries that keep you up at night, or another way of putting it is the what-ifs, the what-ifs. In lesson one, we went over possibilities, probabilities, and God's love and grace and mercy. Then we talked about something that seemed a little comical from Job's perspective, at least it wasn't funny. And that is, what if the sky falls? What if natural disasters occur? And we discovered that we're not talking just about natural disasters, but we're talking about things that just seem so unlikely. Because things that seem so unlikely and so improbable sometimes happen. In this lesson, lesson three, we want to deal with the possibility of serious illness. What if I get sick? Now, when we talk about uh, sickness, it is on a scale like this. You know, it's, it's, it goes exponentially higher as you move along this thing called age. Not many people in their 20s and 30s worry about getting sick. Um, the 40s, we get mad at the doctors because they tell us we need to have all these tests that we don't want to have. And then somewhere in the 50s or 60s, we think maybe, maybe something is catching up with us. And then there's that reality. There's that reality. I was talking with someone uh, not too long ago that I used to pastor decades ago. And I was asking how the church was doing and what about so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, I want to tell you that church has had something happen to it. People are dying. And we kind of chuckle, but that's the way of life. We have to deal with the issue of what if I get sick. Now, some people say, well, I just put that out of my mind. I'm going to block it out. There's nothing I can do. Other people are in a perpetual fight uh, against aging, against sickness. Most of us are somewhere in the middle. They say, some people say, well, you just do what you can. Others say there's nothing you can do. But most of us understand that there are some things we can do. There are some, <coughs> there are some changes we can make. And there are some things that can help us have better odds. I think at the heart of whatever position we take is the attitude and the understanding that we must, again, put our eggs in that basket of trust. Whenever we deal with what ifs, whenever we deal with free floating anxiety, I'm convinced there are things that we can do to help us manage. But at the end of the day, we must put our trust in the Lord and we have to take the um, position of the apostle that said, live or die, we are the Lord's. Now that sounds a little morbid, but we must never lose uh, sight of the fact that we're his. Isaiah 41, 13 says, for I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I want to say this, I recommended 
a daily dose of the Psalms. And I was reading through my Psalms book today and I kind of got looking up some verses and I can't believe how much I've highlighted and made notes around the times in the book of Psalms where God said, I will help you. I want to tell you, it's good news to know that God says, I will help you. Uh, Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And in the little bit of time that we have tonight preparing you for your own study, we're going to look at Hezekiah and we're going to look at a case of a man who understood God's power in the midst of a death sentence. We'll talk about that. David Jeremiah says disease is often the host of fear. He went on to say a life filled with difficulties and weakness may actually become a life filled with unique tools and opportunities for sharing the grace and the goodness of God. Now I need to say this before we start talking about sickness. Nothing that I'm saying is to be misunderstood or misconstrued to be a, well, sickness is going to happen. We've just got to live with it. We believe emphatically in the healing power of Jesus Christ. I don't think anyone in the study would doubt that Jesus has the power to heal. Where we differ is over whether he heals every time, in every situation, in every circumstance. Now we know obviously the answer to that is no because not everybody is healed. But then we get a little more uh, divided over, well, why didn't we get healed? Was it a lack of faith? Was it a bad confession? Was it just unbelief? And this idea of healing is so layered, so multi-layered that we could spend weeks over the issue of why some are healed and some are not. But I can guarantee you this, it's never as simple as we think it is. Um, now, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like the scripture says, he could do no work there because of their unbelief. And there are times he tells us to have faith. But there are clearly times that faith was not uh, the problem or lack of faith was not the problem. So we have to go and how do we approach this? Um, I'm going to say what I've said frequently, and it often troubles people because they misunderstand what I'm saying. But number one, you see it there in your notes, we live in a broken world. Uh, the last enemy, you say, well, Jesus came to heal the world. Yes, and it is in process. But the last enemy that will be conquered is death. Uh, death, by faith, death is conquered and all the attending sickness and disease that leads to death. But the fact that he calls it the last enemy to be conquered in and of itself teaches us that it's a work in progress. Not everybody is, is at that point yet where death is conquered. We will be one day. I'm sorry to repeat this again, but the whole creation is groaning and let's remember that the root of disease is centered in man's rebellion. Now I've got to say one more thing that I'm sure you know, but maybe newer converts might not understand this yet. Sin is the cause of sickness, but not necessarily personal sin. 
In other words, all sickness in the world came about because of sin. But it was the fall of man, not necessarily. In other words, we may be sick because we are part of a race that has fallen. It may not necessarily mean that we have committed a sin that brings sickness, or it could. So, but we live in a broken world. The second thing we want to remember as we begin our study is that uh, people in the Bible had to face similar battles. You remember James said, don't think it's strange concerning the trial that has come upon you. And I think that tr word trial would cover illness as well as persecution or any type of difficulty, financial or otherwise. He says, understand this, and, and Peter echoed this as well, understand that this same thing is happening to your brothers throughout the world. So these kind of battles are commonplace. People from all walks of life have known sickness. Some were evil, some were godly. Some were healed and some weren't. Um, I think of Paul uh, who talked about uh, a sickness that made him end up in Asia. He went there for a time of recovery. Um, we know that he was sick for a while. We know from the scripture that he had some kind of difficulty with his eyesight. We know also from scripture that he had a thorn in the flesh that went unidentified. Uh, he did not tell us what his thorn was. I think that is probably because he wanted all of us to take comfort in whatever we feel our thorn is, that the lessons he learned can apply to our lives as well. Uh, I think about Job. You read about Job and scholars say that Job was probably, and we know it was demonic at its source, it was a direct attack, but it was something that the old scholars called black leprosy. It was a type of leprosy that was particularly devastating. And Job seemed to have the symptoms of that uh, radical branch of, of, uh, of leprosy. Lazarus had a sickness uh, that was unto death. He died from it. Um, we think about the woman with the issue of blood, a difficulty for years that would have made her unclean to her husband, unclean to her family. And uh, for years she suffered with this infirmity. We think about Naaman. Now again, some of these are believers, some are not. Naaman was not a believer. He became one. I tell you, it's hard to get healed from leprosy and not become a believer. But um, he, he was a leper. And Naaman, though he had a great uh, resume and a great story, the Bible talks about all that he did. And then there's this one little sentence right there. It says, but he was a leper. But he was a leper. And we know the story of how he went to uh, Elisha the prophet and was healed by dipping in the Jordan seven times. King David was no stranger to afflictions. He spoke several times in the Psalms about afflictions. He says things like, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, uh, you know, I've come back to God. David Wilkerson preached a message, phenomenal message on afflictions. He said, I believe in afflictions and I believe in healing, and I believe in afflictions that heal. And uh, it was one of the greatest messages I ever heard him 
speak. Um, David, in this particular psalm, said, my enemies look at me and say, an evil disease clings to him. King Asa, the Bible says that with all that went on in his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he died because in the last days he had a disease in his feet uh, that caused his death. We don't know what that was. King Jehoram, wow. King Jehoram led the people of God into profound weakness. And the prophet Elijah sent a letter to him um, and said, because of what you've done, great sickness is going to be experienced by you in your bowels, some, king, or, or some uh, versions say. And the Bible says that over the period of two years, he just rotted from the inside out to the point that at the end of two years, his bowels were just coming out of him. And it was a, it was a horrible death. We read in Matthew 4 that Jesus went throughout the villages of Galilee, healing those that had various illnesses. Epaphroditus, one of Paul's closest associates, was sick and so sick they thought he was going to die. But he was spared by the Lord. We don't know if he just recovered or if God healed him. We don't know. And then there was Dorcas who was a very devout woman that died before she was raised from the dead. What I'm trying to say, the key idea is that these verses are not a case against healing or, or an, an inference that we should not pray for healing because it's natural to life. But the only point I'm trying to make is that across the board, it, to people that are good, bad, and ugly, the righteous, the unrighteous, uh, life of sickness is part of this present age. And we need to understand that. Now, we want to look for a couple of minutes at Hezekiah and understand more about dealing with serious illness. There's a lot of things we can draw from the story of Hezekiah. And of all the stories we could deal with to help jumpstart this study, let's focus on the king for just a few moments. In Isaiah 38.1, Hezekiah receives a frightening diagnosis from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, the, the prophet says to him basically, and, and Hezekiah has been a, a good king, a godly king. And he says, set your house in order because you're going to die. And Isaiah turns and leaves. Sometimes prophets are very precise, but not very comforting. They don't always have good bedside manner. You set your house in order, you're going to die. I'm going to lunch. And uh, Hezekiah humbles himself in prayer, asking God to intervene. The phrase that was used says he turned his face to the wall. And that was an old phrase to indicate, you know, there, there, were, there were postures of prayer. Go to your closet, turn to the wall. It was, it was to, to humble yourself. And he turned to the wall and he began to pray. And he said, Lord, you are in control of all things. You know that I have not been perfect, but I've tried to serve you. Now, I, I don't think that Hezekiah was as concerned about dying as he was concerned that he didn't have an heir. And there had been a promise that the uh, lineage of David would continue. And if he had died, it would have been an uncle. And, and technically the lineage would have continued, but he wanted his own son 
to sit uh, on the throne. And uh, so he begins to pray. And while Isaiah is headed to Red Lobster, the Lord speaks to him again um, and, and tells him to return to Hezekiah and give him this message. So he goes back and he says, the Lord has heard your prayer and the Lord is going to give you 15 more years. Now, I want to tell you, 15 years doesn't sound like a long time when you're 20. But when you're 70, 15 is a long time. It's a lot to be thankful for. And God gives him 15 more years. He has, uh, he has a son during this time. Um, and there was good things, bad things that happened. Um, in Isaiah 38, Hezekiah began to praise God for his promise to heal. And then in Isaiah 38, 21, God does something that I think we need to wrap our heads around. God said, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to supernaturally intervene. But he tells him how to treat the illness, the boil that's on his body. And so we see God using supernatural intervention with medicine. And I think whenever we make doctors and physicians and medicine, whenever we make that an enemy, we make a mistake. You say, well, yeah, but one of the kings was was punished because he turned to the physicians and not to the Lord. Well, the, the problem wasn't that he turned to the physicians. The problem was that he turned to the physicians and not the Lord. And Hezekiah learned that sometimes God will use medicine. Sometimes God will make us lie down in green pastures, even when we don't think we need to. And on top of the medicine and the rest and everything else, God puts the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in the mix. And we need to understand that God is able to heal this way or that way, but we know that all healing comes from the Lord. Now, what do we do if sickness comes? Um, and, and, and something else that I wish we had a little bit of time to talk about, a lot of times... People ha are prone to sickness just because of their DNA, just because of their genes. Um, it's not that they've done anything wrong. And sometimes people are, you know, they live to be 102 and uh, nothing ever happens to them again. And it's because of their genes. Other factors can enter in, but uh, we, we need to to understand, you know, it's, we, we've got to be careful before we cast judgment. It's like somebody that's never been overweight telling you how to lose weight. You want to pick them up and body slam them and show them how much weight you need to lose by just jumping on them several times. Um, I, I've, I've always been frustrated by people that have never experienced a problem that know how to solve a problem. Now, that probably is not a good attitude, but Nothing I can do about it at this point in life, I tell you. If sickness comes, here's number one. Consider the value of preparation. When sickness comes, sometimes it is the mercy of God that's a wake-up call for us to change our lifestyle, to change our habits. And um, I'm thinking of a loved one that, that smoked unfiltered camels for 40 years and the doctor said you know you'll live a, 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 at least 10 years longer if you'll 
stop smoking. And he said, I've smoked since I was a teenager, several packs a day. I think it's too late to stop. And he said, you need to understand this. The longer you smoke, the more potential problems you have. But when you stop, the moment you stop, the second you stop, you begin to add to your life time that you would not have otherwise. He said, now that's not an exact science, but uh, and this, this loved one of mine did that and, and lived uh, over 30 years uh, in, in good health, uh, even though there had been this habit that did damage for a while. So consider the value of a wake-up call. Uh, some things are not because you've done anything wrong. As I said, it's just this world we're in. The second thing, <clears throat> if sickness comes, examine your situation to determine the cause of the sickness. I have developed this habit that I've stuck pretty closely to through the years. Whenever I'm sick, I want to know the cause of the sickness. That's going to that's going to determine how I deal with it. Um, I want to know is this something that God is behind? Now I know that we come from a church tradition that says God never uh, causes sickness or God never uses sickness. But suffice it to say, that's not what the Bible teaches. He told Israel over and over that he would send sickness among them if that's what it took to straighten them up. And I know that I'm probably not saying it right, but don't, don't put God out of the equation. And, um, uh, you know, well, let's go on. Uh, the second thing we want to ask, you know, is, is, is God, at best, if you don't believe God does it, has God lifted his hand for a reason? Okay. The second thing we need to ask is, is this the devil? Is this an attack? Um, and sometimes it's not hard to tell when we're under attack, when things happen one after another after another, like we talked about in the other lesson where Job in the same gathering had disaster after disaster after disaster reported to him, and it all came at once. And we know from the biblical narrative that it was an attack of the devil. God gave the devil permission to attack him, and he said, just don't take his life. And he took just about everything but his life. Uh, so am I under attack? And if I feel that God is lifting his hand to chastise me, I'm going to respond with humility and repentance. But if I feel like I'm under attack, I'm going to go to war against that sickness, I stand against that sickness. Or number three, is it natural? Um, you know, when, when we had the first outbreak of COVID, I knew, I knew that we were, we were headed for trouble because we had a church, some that said, I'm not getting out, I'm not coming to church. And then we had other members of the church said, I'm not wearing a mask. Nobody's going to tell me to wear a mask to church. And some wanted to hug and some didn't want to hug. And I knew the first time we came back together, I said, we're, I said, there are people that don't even believe COVID is real and we're about to discover it's real. Just because, just because of the dynamic of natural illness. Um, I'm not saying it was anyone's fault. I'm just saying some things happen because we get around bugs and viruses. 
Um, but once you kind of get a grip on that, ask yourself this, is my mind focused? Am I, am I focused on getting well? Am I focused on being as healthy as I can be? And you kind of get a battle posture and then you develop a thankful attitude. In everything, give thanks. The Bible does not teach us to give thanks for everything, but it does teach us to give thanks in everything. Now, we continue to serve others and serve the Lord. Uh, when, when sickness comes, as much as we can. Sometimes we can't serve others because we can't be around them, but there are things we can do long distance. Continue to serve others and serve the Lord. Memorize and meditate on the promises God gives and then discern your future. That's what Hezekiah did. He said, Lord, I know you're in charge of everything, but this doesn't seem like the right ending for my life. So discern your future. Here's a good prescription. Let me take about 90 seconds to two minutes to give you this prescription. Um, uh, a handful of words, six words. First of all, you might want to partake in solitude. Learn the value of occasionally shutting out all other voices except His and those most beneficial to you. It's okay to go into a withdrawal mode till you get your bearings. Solitude can be your friend. The second S is scripture. Fill your thoughts, your speech, your meditations with the Word of God. The third thing that I would prescribe for you is saints. When trouble comes, surround yourself with faith-filled people. Now, when I say surround yourself with faith-filled people, that doesn't mean surround yourself with people that are, that are uh, telling you this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Because I know that faith-filled people have different views and they may have a different word from the Lord, but fill your life, surround yourself with faith-filled people. There's the idea of spirit. Develop a passion for the leading, wisdom, and confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Here's a, another word, another S that we don't like is setbacks. Expect some setbacks, but remember that they are not the final word. Uh, surety. As the three Hebrew young men uh, learned as they faced the wrath of the king, one way or another, God will take care of us. One way or another, God will take care of us. Understand that sickness may take your life, but it's the way of flesh. It's the way of all flesh. What's more important than the sickness and how it affects you ultimately is how you walk through that difficulty. I wish I could give you a one size fits all. This is how to get out of sickness. This is how to prevent sickness. But no such thing exists. The bottom line is this. Put yourself at the mercy of God. Keep your mind filled with what he says and then let him walk with you because he said, I'll go with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Father, this lesson is going to provoke a lot of discussion. The things I've said are going to touch a lot of nerves. I, I realize that because we don't want to give quarter to suffering. We don't want to walk down that road. 
And we believe that you are healer. But Lord, we know when all is said and done, you're in control. And we know that the last enemy that'll be conquered is death. We may not get all of our questions answered, but this is what we say. Thank you that you are going to conquer death. You are going to conquer the grave. You are going to conquer sickness. In fact, you already have from the eternal perspective, but we've got to walk through it as it's lived out. And we ask you to help us with the what ifs of getting sick. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.